Let me see the highlights, don't know what it takes Last year stressing, got no sleep Now I'm right between the courts, out of nosebleeds Welcome to episode six of Behind the Underdogs, powered by the Underdog brand. I'm your host, Joey Staniti, and I'm joined by my co-host, Dylan Shewitt and Colin Cunningham. What's up, boys? Round six. I'm pumped for today's interview. This will be a good one, Joe. Yes, sir. It will be. I mean, we got uh, – Colin, we'll head over to you in a second, but I just want to talk a little bit about our, our guy today. So we have Neil Magny on, and Colin, you actually requested him, and you know him. God only knows how, but – um so we have him on today and we're gonna do a little intro after we do the topic of the day um but boys what are you up to how's your weekend going i'm actually down in uh cape at my girlfriend's uh, beach house so i can't complain it was good week another week back training on the ice skating a couple times this week working at the rink coaching skills in the evening so it was a busy week and now i'm on the cape just enjoying it got a Making- little sun today Making that American money? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Whoa, 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 whoa. No, no it's volunteer work. <laughs> <laughs> there you uh, go. Cole, what about you? Um, good weekend so far, Joe. Uh, woke up yesterday morning. Nice six rounds in the heavy bag. Nice cardio workout. Uh, I drove down Kate, down with a couple uh, Trinity football guys. So I was down there. Uh, went to the beach, uh, hung out, nice bonfire. So a lot of fun. And then drove back this morning. Uh, quick power nap. Was up late last night and now uh, ready to go. Huge episode. Neil Maggie. Better be ready to go, man. This is, this is the <laughs> category. This is I all know. you. This is it right here. I'm so pumped. Cannot wait. Yeah. Uh, but before we get to that, I just want to give a little update on the new sleeveless hoodie drop. It is selling. It is selling fast. So you guys got to get your pre-orders going. As soon as we lock down a couple gyms, it's going to, you know, the pre-order will probably end and we'll, we'll ship them all out. So uh, get those orders in. Um, but yeah, so let's, let's go the intro topic of the day. Yeah. Colin did. Colin did. They're sick. They're sick. So sick. sick. Um, yeah, head over to the Instagram. If you haven't seen it yet, it's unreal. We're going to have Colin's actually right now wearing the next colorway after we sell the black one. So medium gray, I'd say it's not, not all the way light, but, uh, Hey, they look good. I saw the Instagram post this morning. You guys look good in them. Yeah. It's good stuff. (laughs) all right intro topic of the day this is a good one spent some time thinking about it and thought it would be a good one if you could have one athlete as your mentor past or present who would it be and why who wants to start well I'll, i'll take this one so obviously being a canadian hockey player if I could have any athlete of all time be my mentor it'd be Sidney crosby and i know guys are gonna be like Oh, Sidney Crosby, of course you picked him. But yeah, of course I picked him. He's the best. He's He is the GOAT. And of course, you know, you'll hear all the McDavid, Crosby, McDavid's better. No. In my eyes, in my mind, Crosby is the greatest hockey player. It is very clear He's number through one. all these episodes that you love Sidney Crosby. He is your yeah. guy. <laughs> I hope Crosby listens to this podcast. Um, <laughs> that'd be a dream. Um, but yeah. McDavid, I'm just going to touch on that quickly because this bothers me. This really gets me going. The Crosby, McDavid, everyone, all these young kids. McDavid's way better. He put up more points. I don't care that McDavid put up more points than Crosby in the past couple seasons. As an all-around hockey player, Crosby is the GOAT. He's the greatest of all time. He's a well-more-rounded player, defensively sound, face-off. Like, you can go down the list. 
and he's a character guy. And that's probably the number one reason why I'd have him be my mentor. He's probably the most humble guy in hockey or one of. He's a great leader and just a great all-around person. And if I could be any person in the NHL, it'd be him. I mean, even, even aside from his success, just him as a person, that's who I'd want to be. You yeah, know, I've watched he, I've watched a couple episodes. Uh, it's some one of those like behind the glass things for the Penguins. Yeah, and I've seen him. He's just such a, like a community guy, and he, you know, I saw him go to one house, and they're like obviously ecstatic to see him, and he's just just like a, a normal dude. You know, there's no yeah. s- superstar feeling that you get when you when you meet him. Exactly. You know? Obviously, I haven't you met talked him. Yet, to him. <laughs> yeah, if you, I, yeah, like you say, I haven't met him either, but if you just talked to him and you didn't know he was Sidney Crosby, you wouldn't guess that he was, you know, an unbelievable athlete of any kind. He's a genuine person. Like, and that's what I aspire to be. So he's, he would a hundred percent be my mentor. If I could pick any athlete of all time. I think there's a lot of hockey guys like that too. That's why hockey is like one of my favorite sports to watch. Got a lot of hockey friends, obviously, because I just feel like those guys, a lot of times just down to earth guys work hard, great community guys. They're doing it for the right reasons, yeah, yeah. which is great to see. What's that he, story about uh, him and McKinnon too? I think uh, um, McKinnon was like training with him for the first time. You you probably know the story better than I do, but uh, yeah, there's some yeah, it was pretty funny. On uh, on his spit and chicklets episode when he came on, yeah, he talks about that. Yeah, yeah, that's and, what it is. Yeah, he talks about the first time they trained together, and I think they were doing hill sprints in the sand, something <laughs> like that. But like, he's such a competitor. Um, I think McKinnon was ahead of him in the race. Now, don't quote me on this. I believe McKinnon was ahead of him on the race and he grabbed his ankle and like pulled him into the sand. So he, and then sprinted the last little bit because like he, the guy doesn't lose. He doesn't want to lose at anything. And it doesn't matter what it is. He wants to win. I love that. So, I mean, the list could go on and on. Um, the other big thing that I just, I love about Crosby is just like, he wakes up fearing that someone else is getting better than him. And that, that is his motivation. You know, on the last episode, we talked about what motivates you. That's his motivation. He wakes up thinking I'm not the best. What do I need to be doing to be better? And it doesn't matter how good he is. He tries to be better. Remember well, the one year if you're passionate about something. That's, that's how it goes, man. You know, a hundred percent. And the one year is face-offs. He struggled in the face-off circle. So that off season, all he did was face-offs. The next year he comes back. He's, a top three center in the league in the faceoff circle. Like the guy literally picks whatever he needs or whatever he thinks he needs to improve on. And he does, and he does it every year. He's an absolute machine. And I mean, how, how is that not inspiring? Like that motivates, that motivates me. So if I could have anybody be my mentor, like it'd be him just to, to listen to how he did it, what kept him motivated, like what pushed him, how he went about doing it, you know, like his route, his path. And yeah, he's just a genuine good person. And I would love to hear what he had to say. And I wish he could mentor me in, in my journey. And I feel like uh, most of the guys coming up nowadays, you talk about Nathan McKinnon, Connor McDavid, all those guys, I feel like they grew up watching Crosby. So he's well, kind McKinnon of hundred percent. did. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And again, relating back to that spit and chicklets episode uh, this past summer when Crosby was on, and then I think the next week they had McKinnon on and they, on each episode, they talked about each other and yeah, like McKinnon grew up idolizing Crosby. And then here they are, you know, 
a few years later and, and their competitors and friends. I mean, they're from Coal Harbor. They train together in the summers. I'm sure they skate with Marshan and in the summers I've yeah. seen their skates. Like talk about a crew, McKinnon, Crosby, and Marshan out for a summer skate. Like, holy crap. But um that'd be like yeah, me like, probably growing up and becoming friends with like Carrie Price or Jonathan Quick or something like that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like you sick. think about it and they're both first overall picks and then you know from the same town or same city they go on to become friends competitors train together in the summer and i'm sure mckinnon idolized them and i'm sure crosby was his mentor gave him advice like man how like and look how mckinnon turned out now he's as good or nearly as good as crosby in in terms of production and all around what was what did mckinnon just get nominated for was he a finalist for ted Lindsay? i think it was yeah it might have been that i'm not too sure i can't remember either but like he's a he's a top-notch player too and that's a guy that grew up idolizing crosby and and utilizing him as a resource kids getting paid now oh no kidding yeah so sorry to go on but yeah anybody crosby would be my mentor 100 percent I agree. That's a, that's a good one. That's a good, good pick. pick. Uh, Colin, Colin, let's head over to you. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm going to go on a limb here and say it's someone in the MMA. No names here. Just maybe. Yeah. Obviously, I think anyone <laughs> who knows me knows who I'm going with here. This is, I mean, money in the bank. Connor McGregor, my Irish brother, Dublin zone. Uh, and, and when I think of Connor, I mean, I just think of, I think of three words, work ethic. I think of loyalty and I think of commitment. And when I think of those three things, I think of Connor and Connor, when he's in his zone, he, Connor operates in like, how he likes to call it seasons. And I, I kind of find myself in a similar boat where there needs to be certain times where you're just so locked in that it's the only thing you're thinking about is your goal. And when you're working towards that goal and you're in a season, there's these special time periods where like, it just seems like nothing can go wrong. And so for Connor, like when he's in fight camps, he's in his season. And in terms of loyalty, I mean, he's had the same coaches, the same people around him ever since he came up. I mean, his first, his amateur debut was when he was 18 years old and he has the same coaches now that he did then. I mean, he's, when he first started, I mean, he was just, he didn't have any gear. He barely had any gear. He was just in some warehouse beating the shit out of a couple guys, you know, trying to figure out how to fight. And now, I mean, the guy's the most successful combat athlete of all time. One of the most successful athletes in general of all time. And he's got the same people around him. Uh, and, and people give Connor slack for a lot of in his personal life and some of the controversies and things like that. But Connor's a passionate guy and he he's, he's do, he does what he does for the right reasons. He really does. Um, and so that's what I would say about loyalty. And in terms of wor- working under pressure, which is something that a lot of people just inherently struggle with. They're just not, they just aren't built to deal Michael with pressure. Jordan. Yeah. I mean, Jordan's ice, obviously Kobe ice. I know Joe, you're going to talk about those guys, but Connor, he operates under pressure better than any athlete ever. I mean, go look at his fights. I mean, it, it really starts with the Jose Aldo fight. I mean, he's facing for the undisputed UFC featherweight title. He's facing this Brazilian monster who hasn't lost in 10 years. He's undefeated in 10 years. Connor knocks him out one punch in 13 seconds to take the title yeah. and confidence too. I mean, it, that confidence and working under pressure go hand in hand. He's a confident guy. Let me, let me, let me say something real quick, real quick. Uh-huh. So speaking of confidence, Going to a different, complete different sector in combat sports when McGregor fought Mayweather. Mm-hmm. Talk about talk about that a little bit. Like, what what did oh, you think oh was God. gonna happen? 
Did you actually think he was going to win? 100%. I thought Connor was going to win. Oh, I thought he was too. I absolutely no I thought he was too. But what's, here's what's so crazy about that fight is that Connor McGregor, a guy with zero professional boxing fights, he had zero professional boxing fights, is so charismatic, has so much swagger, so much confidence, and he performed so well under pressure that he seriously had people convinced that he was going to go into the boxing ring and beat a 49-0 and 0 Floyd Mayweather at his own game. Yeah. I mean, that says a lot about Conor, does it not? Well, that whole HBO series was obviously built so much hype around the fight. I don't know if you guys mm-hmm. want – obviously, Colin, you oh, yeah, watched yeah. that, but I don't Absolutely. know if you watched it. Um, yeah, that was, that was nuts. Unreal, yeah. But, I mean, Conor – $100, don't $100 have... bills. Exactly, dude. Oh, so <laughs> awesome, God. dude. Yeah, I, dude, I, I don't have enough good things to say about the guy. I mean, he hasn't changed. He, he's been with the same people. He, he always works his ass off. He works his ass off today. He worked his ass off when he, he didn't have a freaking dollar in the bank. It doesn't matter. He does it for the right reasons. He loves the sport. He loves to work hard. He loves the people he's around. He enjoys his life. And he's a passionate guy. And those are all qualities that I think I possess and I want to continue to possess. And if I ever get the privilege to work with Connor, I mean, that's something that, together we can we can build you know so if i had to have it or if i have a mentor if i could have one to work personally with it'd be connor i'll always look up yeah. to him forever and hey honestly that that whole loyalty thing i think most of that obviously you know you want to be loyal to the people who, who brought you up you know like your family your closest friends your trainers mm-hmm. um some people switch trainers and i feel like more often than not when somebody switches trainers doesn't always go for the best. And I think that's a mental thing. Like when you're with somebody for such a long time and then you switch, that's why a lot of guys don't switch because they know it's going to be a mental toll. Right. And uh, I, yeah, I can actually uh, attest to this one. I, I, I almost switched goalie schools after 13 years of training with the same uh, goalie school. And I tried it and it was just, it, I mean, it was worth a shot. And I was like, this is, you know, this, this isn't going to work. Obviously. I mean, he's my, he's my coach for my team. So, you know, it kind of made sense, but uh, yeah, it's just, it's a big mental thing. I mean, the whole time I I couldn't stop thinking about like, Oh my God, I've been taught the same thing for 13 years. Like, why don't I just keep going with it and make it stronger? It's the same thing. I'm sure with, you know, coaches in uh, MMA, like they're teaching different things. So when you switch different technique, all that stuff comes into play. So get out of your comfort zone exactly yeah yeah no absolutely yeah and a lot of it's comfort too i mean when you're around the same people uh who really know you they know how to push you sort of past your past your comfort level and how to push you the right way and they also they the more you work with someone the more you understand kind of how they react to different situations and things like that so it's definitely beneficial to build that relationship between coach and athlete to to have a long-standing relationship with people for sure I agree. And you, even if you look at like going back to the hockey side of it, uh, Crosby and McKinnon have had the same strength coach, strength and conditioning coach since they started. Since Crosby came into the league, he's had the same guy, Andy. I forget how you say his last oh, name. That's um, at the tip of my tongue. I know you're talking. I know about. I should know that. Andy, I feel bad blanking on that, but he's stuck with the same trainer. Like, hopefully, hopefully he doesn't listen to the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> no kidding. But uh, yeah, like, Again, like you say, loyalty and just 
the work ethic of, of those and in any elite sport like that, you know, we look at any of the guys that we would want to be our mentor. I'd think that would be the number one thing that sticks out uh, in common would be their work ethic. They're like just on, you can't beat it. They just simply outwork you. And I think that'd be the number one thing that would be common among those top end athletes. Yeah, absolutely. And Colin, you know, you touched on, uh, performing under pressure and that kind of is a good segue for person I'd choose as my mentor. And that's Michael Jordan. And obviously it's probably a lot of people would, would pick that guy. And, you know, for me, I'm a hockey player. So you'd think I'd pick somebody like Carrie Price, Jonathan quick, um, you know, all those guys, but I just, I mean, I watched this, my, the turning point when I chose this guy as, as one of my idols is I watched the last dance and I think I've mentioned it on the podcast before, but it just goes over his whole life and, you know, his journey through his NBA career and his little stint in, in baseball, but there's so much more uh, to it than what meets the eye. I don't know. You know, a lot of people probably don't know this, or maybe they do. It's probably a common thing that people have heard, but he didn't make varsity as a sophomore at Laney High School. Yeah, I remember reading that. He was cut from his varsity high school basketball team, as a Michael sophomore. Jordan. Like, can you believe that? Like, do you think anybody on that team or just anybody who knew him in general was like, this kid is going to be the best NBA player of all time? <laughs> Talk about an underdog story. Hey, get him on the pod, Joe. <laughs> yeah, right. I know. I wish. I wish. Um, but yeah, I mean, he he just vowed to like build himself, develop himself day in and day out. And I feel like a lot of people are in it. It's the same thing. It's not just sports, but in business and everything, everybody wants quick money. Everybody wants quick results. Like everything's quick, 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 but nobody wants to be you a war time. Yeah. Nobody wants to be a Warren Buffett. Nobody <laughs> wants to be a Michael Jordan. Like these are all things that everything's a marathon. You know, you have to have, take everything day by day. Absolutely. So have you seen that quote? Uh, by Warren Buffett, or I guess, I think it was it Jeff Bezos or Elon Musk asking him. It was one of the two. I think it's Bezos says, "Well, Warren, like, why doesn't everyone do your investment plan? It's so simple." And yeah, that was his response. No one wants to get rich slow. Everyone's looking yeah. for the quick answer, the quick yeah, fix, exactly. this quick solution. Where, mm. you know, like you say, he put in the time. Going back to Michael Jordan, put in the time to build himself. And again, like like Crosby wakes up in fear that someone else is going to be better. And he does whatever he can every day to better himself or did every day to better himself. Yeah. And I mean, I'm sure that was his drive. Like as a sophomore, when he got cut, I'm sure he was like, this is never going to happen ever again. And he, you know, he vowed to create himself and he went on, he won, I mean, Jesus, I don't know what years it was, but he won three consecutive championships with the bulls. And then he retired they didn't win the championship. I think it was two years. And then after that, he came back three more consecutive years, won the championship. I mean, that, that should, should speak at all right there. And not to mention all the, the press that was on him. Like the spotlight was on him constantly. Every shot, every time he got the ball, like people were watching, man. Like everybody came together to watch this guy. And I don't know. I'm just speechless. Like watching that show. I don't, you guys have to watch this. Have you guys seen the last dance? I have no, to watch I still it. Haven't seen it. I feel so yeah, bad. I, I haven't seen it. I'm going to, the more it. I talk about it, the more I definitely mentioned it on the podcast, but it, it was unreal. I mean, I watched like three episodes every night until I was done and it just came out recently. It, it was 2020 show. So, 
Um, but yeah, man, I mean, it's the same thing with Kobe Bryant, like all those guys, just the mental capacity that they have to perform at such a high level under the spotlight is just so admirable. And Joe, you were talking yeah. about the consistency too. And going back to what you guys were saying about like Buffett and everything being a marathon, like when you can, when you're consistently putting in that work and it's not just, okay, I want to, I got to make all this money super fast or I got to get huge, super fast. You know what I mean? The, the, yeah. when, when everything's a marathon and when you're, when you do things over long periods of time, it builds consistency versus if you just try and get everything super fast, there's no consistency. It's up and down. And if you work all the time, if you're always working and you're building in a way that's uh, comfortable, it's going to be sustainable. If that makes any sense. I think yeah, it does. But. Yeah. I mean, here's something yeah. I wrote, wrote down about him right here. Uh, and then Dylan, you can get to your point, but in 1984, Jordan was drafted by the Chicago bulls in his first season. Um, he led the league in scoring and was named rookie of the year after missing most of the following season with, with a broken foot. He returned to lead the NBA in scoring for seven consecutive seasons. You're That's, kidding me. We talk you know about consistency. Yeah. yeah I mean, I can't even imagine being that consistent at such a high level. And now where did he finish in terms of NBA, like total points? He was, he's third. Oh, I, think. Career points. I think he's Looking third. I think I know Kareem's first. And then I, th- yeah. I think, I think Kobe's second in Jordan's third. Let's see. No, no, it's, he's got 32,292 points. Are you kidding me? Sheesh. That's All insane. Time. So it goes Kareem, then Carl Malone, LeBron James is third and he's still active. Kobe is fourth and Michael Jordan is fifth. That was awesome. yeah. I, I got the Kareem wow. part right. That's crazy. Yeah, that's I, don't know why, I don't know why I just thought of this. But, oh, I actually know why I just thought of this, but I was looking up his stats and I came across his net worth, which is 1.6 billion. And yeah. it made me think of all the different sponsorships that he got. And obviously Air Jordan, like the shoes, all that stuff. Like this is, and it made me think of the whole AB thing, having a plan A and a plan B. And he just went all in on plan A and look what it brought him. Like so many different branches of yeah. revenue. Like, I mean, this is kind of going into money now, which we'll, you know, we won't talk about too long, but it's just like same thing with people who have one job. Like you need multiple streams of income to, mm-hmm. you know, be able to become a success, quote unquote success, if that's, you know, your statement of success. But and in, in the business side yeah. too, he believed in himself big time because he had the chance to take uh, a shoe deal that would have paid him. It would have paid him at the time, like good money, but it was getting, it was getting rid of a lot of his leverage and it was kind of taken away his opportunity to make that exponential growth. But he was like, no, I trust myself in the Jordan brand. I mean, it's named after him and look how it's turned out. I mean, there's no limits on what he's making now. I mean, the guys, it's unbelievable. I mean, if he had taken some other shoe deal where the money was capped, he wouldn't be who he is. Yeah. Yeah. He's probably made more off air Jordan than his playing career. Back. Yeah. Back then I know some of like some of the, uh, signings are totally insane in NFL and NBA compared to NHL. But back in, you know, the nineties when he was playing, they weren't making the same salary they are now. Mm-hmm. And he, he's probably made 10 times what he's made. He's probably made 10 times from his business, what he made playing like at yeah. least yeah. just goes to show. Yeah. Yeah. And all three, I, I, I find it super interesting. All, real quick, Joe, all three of the guys that we chose, they're great at, at what they do. Both in the field of play and outside of the field of play. Like all three, Crosby, McGregor, and Jordan 
are all super successful business people and they've done great with money, making money, managing their money. And so I yeah. find, I find, I just find that really interesting too. That's another thing. Jordan, we more. Jordan probably could have stayed away from the casino a little bit, but yes, a little bit. <laughs> that's a, I saw, that's I saw a quote story. from him that I saw a quote. He was, it's not a gambling problem. It's a competition problem. <laughs> <That's what he's, laughs> yeah. He's a competitor. That's just how he, that's just how he's built. Exactly. Yeah, no. <laughs> Yeah, and you see that with you see that with every guy who's made it to the top in their field. Like they're just so driven and competitive to like just take down their opponents. You know, I mean, it's mm. insane. I was it's the same thing with the practice when he returned to the court. I think it was uh, ninety five, and he was uh, still in baseball shape. So like he was still trying to pick up back to the you know being in basketball shape, and he was playing with the top guys just like pickup, and. Um, he was still competing with them like every single day. And he was dead. Like the, the whole documentary was pretty much him. Like he was, he was exhausted he's getting older and he was just determined to, to be back to the top. And it's just amazing. But, uh, you guys, one more point. Yeah. Go ahead. Yeah. One more point, Joe. I'm not, uh, not to stress Crosby too much, but I mean, I <laughs> freaking love the guy and just, yeah. A way you take him away from the game he has not been – you don't hear about Crosby in the news for anything. I'm not not shitting on other guys like Jordan for gambling or you look at like Kane and, you know, his accusations. There's not a single accusation against Crosby. He's clean as a whistle. Like he's a, just the perfect role model. He doesn't get himself in trouble. He doesn't do anything stupid. You never hear anything in the news negative about him. Like, And going just, back to that he, documentary thing – as soon as he, so he's going to visit a fan, right? And they invited him into the house. And what is the first thing you do? Takes off his shoes, comes yeah. in the house. Like, it's just like little things like that. It makes a huge difference, you know? Yeah. He's just a, a genuine person. I can't stress that enough. Like I, I idolize him and I wish he could be my mentor. I'll leave, I'll leave it at that. Yeah. Yeah. Dylan's uh, getting a heart over there. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, all right. So let's, uh, head to the intro for the interview now and today we have neil magni on colin would you like to give us a little intro here i know you're the let's MMA go guru, so. yep i'll do the intro for neil magni i'm so excited for this this guy i look up to this guy so much he's such a monster man uh so neil magni is of haitian and dominican descent he graduated from thornwood high school in the chicago area and then went to southern Illinois university edwardsville where he earned a bachelor's degree in criminal justice. He's also an army veteran, which is so dope. And Magni began competing in MMA professionally in 2010, making his debut August 7th, 2010 against Nolan Norwood for the C3 Fights promotion. And three weeks after his second win, Magni traveled to Indiana to fight for Cutthroat MMA on their November 6th card. And Magni defeated Lawrence Dunning via TKO. And Magni won two more fights, bringing his overall record to 6-0. And from there, he was invited to compete in Combat USA's Wisconsin versus Illinois Championship Series. And after the Combat USA's Championship Series, Magni fought one more time before trying out for the popular reality TV series, The Ultimate Fighter. And Magni made his UFC debut against John Manley on February 23rd, 2013 at UFC 157. And he won the bout via unanimous decision. And he is now 23-8. and eight. And so far in his stint in the UFC, he holds accolades such as being tied for the most wins in the calendar year at five, fight of the night, performance of the night three times, and as of June 3rd, 
2020. He is number four in the UFC welterweight rankings. And one other stat 14, I 14, 14, 14. 14. Yeah, 14 in, in the UFC welterweight rankings. He's going he's gonna to keep going up, though. Still oh, and he's going to oh, keep yeah. going up. Such a stud. Um, and one other thing I would say, it's not on here, but he is currently tied for third for most welterweight wins in UFC history. So he's really starting wow. to yeah, etch his name in the history books in the UFC. And he's – He's only getting better, so I'm so excited for this. Yeah, this is gonna be so man, awesome. not not to be stereotypical, but these guys always have an unbelievable underdog story, and uh, I'm so pumped to hear it. I can't wait. So, you guys got anything else before we head to the interview? No, Good. I'm excited. I mean, it's a it's a big name. I'm looking forward to it. It's out of my comfort zone, so it'll be something new for me to learn about yeah. and listen to. So, I'm excited for it. Yeah, Colin, you might have to take the reins here a little bit, but uh, let's, get it. let's so head ready. over. Let's head over to the interview. Uh, Neil Magny. All right. Unfortunately, we couldn't have Neil Magny on today. Uh, I don't know if he blew us off or he can't figure out the Zoom meeting, but uh, we have Clark Kerner with us. So welcome to the pod, Clark. What's up, man? What's up, boys? How are you? Pretty good. Pretty good. Um, so we're going to do, for our listeners, we're going to go off of our intro. So Clark, athlete, whoever it is, who would you want to be your mentor? Michael Jordan, hundred percent. Michael Jordan, yep. Hundred percent. He's a killer. He's a killer. Yeah, Dylan, <laughs> you spent too much time with Dylan over there. <laughs> what did you say? What did you say? They always give me shit on the pod. I say hundred percent like several times an episode. Who, no, who was your athlete? That you Mine was Sidney Crosby. Yeah. Michael Jordan just got the killer mentality. I feel like, like he's yeah, he is thought. a competitor. He is like an ultimate competitor. I mean, like, that was Sinisi's too. Yeah, like he yeah. kicked your ass he's, in practice. Hey, these guys haven't seen it, but have you seen the Last Dance? I've seen probably like seven of the episodes all yeah, the way through. Unbelievable. unbelievable. Yeah. He was a psycho, but in like the best way possible. Yeah. Well, McGregor. Is that a good choice? <laughs> that was called yeah, call McGregor. Yeah. I mean, I mean some trouble McGregor's outside of the sport, but <laughs> yeah, I mean, everybody, everybody's got trouble in some cases, especially yeah. hey, Jordan, too. Jordan got Just some trouble outside of the sport too, huh? Yeah. yeah. A little bit of gambling. A little gambling. Yeah. Yeah, what, he used to bet a hundred k. He used to bet a hundred k on rock paper scissors. Yeah, Jordan did, and he, he also said he goes, "It's not a gambling problem; it's a competition problem." Yeah, that's, yeah, that's what that's what he said. <laughs> he didn't. He just yeah. wanted to win it, whatever he did. He didn't care what it was. Not at I all. I forget. I saw a quote the other day, and he goes, "If you're on my team and we lose, and you say, oh, it's just a game, I'll never play with you again.'" Oh, I, saw I, res- that I yeah. respect that. Like, yeah, yeah. I, don't, I don't care what it is. I'm trying to win. I go mini golfing with my girlfriend. I'm trying to win. I don't care. <laughs> exactly. Abby, yeah, if you're listening to this, I'm trying to win every time. <laughs> like, I don't care what it is. I'm trying to win. No, he's got some crazy practice stories, though. Like with his teammates, just like dumbing them one-on-one and just chirping the whole time. Yeah. Oh, he yeah. He wants to was... get better. He ran his mouth a lot, but like he had something to back it up, oh, obviously. Yeah. He was I mean, sick. Like, Kobe making Kwame Brown cry in practice. Wait, he what's this teammate. story? I didn't... Kobe got mad at Kwame. Kwame Brown was like, he was like the second overall pick in the draft. And he was like this super big, like talented guy who just like just wasn't that good in the NBA. And he was on the Lakers at one point. I don't think he was drafted by them, but he ended up being on the Lakers and they were in practice and they kept trying to run like a pick and roll and Kwame Brown was messing up and Kobe just, got in his ear and was like, you're just a complete disgrace to basketball. <laughs> this made, literally made the kid cry. Grown-ass man. I think the top competitors don't – like, they're not targeting 
the person themselves, like that's just part of their nature. They expect, they have that expectation for everyone. They don't care who you are. If you're playing on their team, they expect, they hold you to a certain standard and that's what they expect from you. And they don't mean it personally. That's just what they want. And they want to make everyone around them better. And they do it themselves. Like if you do it yourself and you're saying, I'm giving it my all every second of every drill, then like I expect that from you too. So I guess they back it up with that. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I feel like uh, you don't really see it from guys who are less talented saying stuff like that to their teammates, obviously for a reason. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, Michael Jordan, going back to that, that guy is an absolute freak. I, I watched – uh, I ended up looking up more videos of him after I watched that documentary series and like his training habits were absolutely freakish, especially at the Olympics. I, I don't know where they were at the time. Clark, I don't know if you got to that episode um, where they went, they went overseas somewhere and there was that, ah, Jesus, that white, that white guy, <laughs> it's very vague, but uh, <laughs> he was uh, coming into the bulls the following year and he was on like, Ukraine, Team Ukraine, or something like that. And, oh, Kukoc, Tony Kukoc. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. That's what yeah, it is. Yeah. And Team USA was just burying this guy overseas. <laughs> it was the worst thing ever. And then uh, I think he ended up on the Bulls, right, Colin? Yeah, yeah. He was on the Bulls. He was good in the yeah. Bulls too. Yeah, yeah. Big part of those championship teams. Yeah. Pippen and Rodman. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, Clark, why don't you uh, tell us a little bit about your story? Because I think personally, you have an underdog story very much so um i don't know like i i grew up i played hockey with joey and dylan last year for the generals and two years ago with you dylan right yeah right it's been it's been two seasons Uh, yeah two seasons with dylan but uh i grew up in like i grew up in kansas and played hockey there and it's like not a big hockey hub at all so like when you're 14 or or 13 or or 15 or whatever like you have to choose whether you want to actually pursue it or to kind of just go to high school and be with your friends. And I was going into playing my first, my second year of Bantam. So I was 14, going to be a freshman in high school. And I was going to do the thing where I practiced with my Kansas city kids, eight or nine of us on the team. And then we all would go play the tournaments with the boys in like Omaha or whatever. And then everybody quit at the last second. They wanted to go to high school, do the prom, do all that stuff and kind of just be normal kids. So I left, moved to Omaha when I was 14. And like, that was, that was really tough for me, like in the beginning, because like, that's so young to be away from home. Like, you'll see kids our age going to college, 18, 19, like, still can't handle it or can't figure it out. And I was 14 thrown into this, and I'm pretty sure Dylan was too, right? Yeah. Yeah, when I left, I mean, I wasn't with the billet family. I was with my aunt and uncle, but still left home, moved to a new city at 13 years old. So Yeah, but I, uh, I don't know. I wasn't very good. And then I went to the Skipjacks, played my first year 16s on the East Coast, and kind of uh they have like a great coaching staff there and they kind of took me under their wing and taught me everything I needed to learn and they always told me like we'll give you the plan but like unless you work the plan doesn't work and I took everything that they sent home with me that summer and I had a really really good summer worked their plan all that stuff came back the next year completely different player had a great year ended up uh committing to play division one that year and then um uh, went back for my 18s and then that year uh, my last training session of the whole summer, I got hit really weird and I posteriorly dislocated my SC joint. So where my collarbone and sternum connect, it snapped off. Oh. And so I ended up having a, having like a six month being completely immobile, sleeping on a recliner, all that stuff. Uh, what was that like coming back after that? Cause we were, we talked uh, about it, it was, a lot. Yeah. Yeah. That's probably my biggest thing was 
actually before that even happened, I had a pneumothorax. I punched my lung and broke my rib playing the year before my last game recovered, whatever, like that sucked. Like couldn't skate for, for two months. And then right when I got back, I, I trained for three months really hard, got back into shape, felt ready to go again. And then just took that hit, had to have surgery and, and just coming back. Like, I feel like your confidence just isn't there. Like that was my main thing. Now that was coming into your next 18 years. Yeah. So I was yeah. 17 at the time. And I was like almost ready to play junior then? hockey, I thought. Yeah, it was yeah. my uh, first summer being committed. And yeah, like I, I couldn't move for, for six months, couldn't move my shoulder. And I just came back and I was not the same player at all that year. Just felt like shit. Just couldn't like, ice. just like was scared. Like it's, it's scary. Like you come back, like you don't feel confident in your, in your shoulder. Like I didn't feel confident benching 20 pound dumbbells. Like I just, everything felt shaky and you play different. You play a little more scared and. Yeah. Look at the scar it left. Like, it's massive. Yeah. Uh, and then I ended up going to uh, to Sioux City and USHL to finish that year. And I think that helped me a lot because I kind of had to had to play harder and had to have more speed to even stick there. And then that kind of yeah. got me to be more fearless. And so, I mean, yeah, and now I'm just playing ho- junior hockey still. <laughs> well, walking through, all. yeah, you went Sioux City. Sioux City. Nor- or Sioux City. And then the you next year to- I was Sioux City 30-man. Uh then Bismarck and the Null, so right below that league. And then I played four games there. And this was uh, my first year juniors, like full year, because I played a couple games with Sioux the year before. Yeah, that was two years ago. Now. Yeah, so two years ago. I played four games with Bismarck and kind of didn't didn't fit in quite. And it was tough being – I mean, that like it's tough to go into junior hockey. Like, Sneezy did it his first – this was your first year, right? Like, yep. it's tough. Like, it's not, it's not easy. Like, your first couple games, like, it's way different. It's a different world. Dude, especially like every week there's a new backup goalie coming in. I'm like, Jesus, I'm getting shipped to like Alaska. Oh, I know. Shit, you know? Yeah. And they have like trades in the league. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You guys can get traded? Yeah. They have like free agency? 100%. Yeah. <laughs> well, they have like a free agency, but like – One of the max contract. <laughs> yeah. Well, like the draft was today. The hey, 2020 null entry draft was Oh, my morning. God. I've been was... getting the notifications all day. Yeah. So like trades going on all the time. So who did the Gens take week. first round? Who did they take? A guy out of the OJ. Oh, I should man. I should know this. I haven't even looked. We took yeah, Stoneman. Come on, Cap. A Canadian. I know. Canadian. We took Stoneman in the second round. And uh in the first round we took oh yeah, Matthew Duarte from the OJ. But yeah, today was the draft. <laughs> That's wild. Yeah. Um but yeah, so then what? After your time in Bismarck, then you got traded. Got traded northeast, and then I that's kind of where I started playing better and figuring out junior hockey was that year because I feel like just going somewhere that like the coaching staff has some sort of belief in you, and they talk to you and say like, "Look, like we understand that you're young and you're going to make mistakes and all this stuff. But like we're going to stick with you because we think you have this potential." Like that, that helped me. And I came in that year, and when I came to the generals, they they gave me every opportunity they could, and. Like I started to play way better, and then, of course, uh, got hurt again right around Thanksgiving break. I had a concussion. Came. That was when I showed up. When that I showed hard. up, Clark was concussed. When I got traded here, Clark was your first day here. Off. I got hurt. Yeah, you came watch the game. I got hurt that game that you were watching. Yeah, against Wilkesbury. Yeah, and then um, came back and wasn't playing as well, and then got hurt again. So twice that year, missed the playoffs. That's right. Yeah. Miss Johnstown. So what is that? Like f- five major injuries for me in yeah. the last two years, three years. Yeah. 
least you should stayed healthy this year. Yeah, this year I stayed relatively healthy. I guess minor bumps and bruises. Yeah, you can't that expect, happens to everybody. Yeah, you can't expect anything. Uh, anything yeah. less in the NA. Vietnam, yeah, Vietnam. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. Back to the point about junior hockey, though. I even feel just this league. Now I know. So my first year, this will be my fourth year of juniors. My first year was in the EHL, which is obviously a step down. I had no problem jumping into it. Junior hockey was fine. It's like it, I adjusted fairly quickly, started to put up points. I put up 64 points that year. I thought I was going to be set. I had adjusted to that junior pace, jumped into the NA after being drafted by Brookings. Totally different story. Struggled in Brookings, got hurt struggled traded to the generals then continued to struggle all of last season like it's a hard league to play in. it's a hard league to adjust to and i know uh caden phelps one of the tenders he had asked me for some advice jumping into the na and i was like you have to stay patient you can't get you can't get ahead of yourself you can't expect results you can't expect to dominate yeah you can't be like i dominated midgets i'm ready to dominate it because because it's not at all or he's coming from high school hockey and yeah he did great. He put up crazy amount of points in Minnesota high school hockey. Don't get me wrong. It's great hockey, but it's not the same as playing in the NA. Like, and that was what I tried to stress to him or anybody coming into this league. You can't expect to dominate from the start. It doesn't happen. Like the adjustment period is the largest I've ever faced in any, in any season. There's always, it's always an adjustment period when you move up a league or up a level, but this was by far the biggest one I noticed going from, DHL to the NA was was a huge jump. It took me till it took a full year to adjust to this league, figure out how to play, and figure out how to succeed and produce. Like, and it's it's tough being whatever eighteen, nineteen. I mean, we have some seventeen year olds, but like, even just knowing that, like, for a lot of guys in the roster, it's like if you're not playing well, like you could be traded, and like you have friends here and and your wife basically in Boston now, and at any moment, like you're not playing well, like you get traded and that's like a lot. And that's not even including like being hurt or anything like that. Yeah. So I mean, even that's kind of stressful and hard to adjust to. Well, it's, it's out the door. Like I remember when I got traded from Brookings, like that was it. You go in your, my stuff was sent out in a garbage yep. bag. Yep. My visor was ripped off my helmet. They kept the helmet. It was just thrown out. Uh, and, and that's it. Like, they're they're There's done nothing. they want nothing to do with you anymore got, and that's it you're just a like, you're a property because this is a business yeah so once they don't own that property anymore they don't care and that's I it feel like the, i feel like the gens didn't do that though did they to anybody no 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 the, no, the no, gens no. is kind of a different story they they, they treat, treat the us well. they treat yeah. us as people where yeah. i can't say the same about other organizations oh, other oh, or, yeah. other owners other co- yeah i mean there's places i mean i've heard terrible stories like just from you guys like other teammates and stuff like that experiences on yeah. other junior teams is just absolutely atrocious. No, like you, you have a good plan for the general, like the generals treat you with respect and, yeah. and wouldn't ever just be like, yeah, you're gone to a kid. Like they'd talk to him and, and try to help him through it. Yeah. I think. And recommend a place. Like when yeah. you cut a kid, it's not like see you later. Brian always helps them find a place, yeah. recommends a spot to go where he feels they'd fit best and what they need. Like, yeah, it's just, you know, it's different in every organization, especially some in the South, like, man, that's that's a business. They don't care. Like, not at all. Yeah. See you later. Yeah, it's yeah, a different story down there. Um, Clark. So I don't know if I got I have the story completely right. I know, and I know it's a little bit of a soft spot, obviously. But so when you got decode, this was right before a game, right? And then you went out and put up like how many points or something like that? Is that right? 
It was two against uh, Maryland, but no, it was on the bus on the way there for our first game. Yeah, oh, okay, yeah, 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 yeah. We stopped at what? Did we stop at McDonald's? No we, no, we stopped at a bus stop, and I got a, a call. Stop? I got a call or whatever, and it's just like that's where it happened. But yeah, yeah, I it was remember a bus that. Stop. It was the one with like Chipotle and and Dunkin' Donuts, and on the way to Maryland. Yeah, yeah, because I remember you coming off the bus, and you yeah. said to me, "I was like, there's no way that didn't just yeah. happen right yeah. now." But what yeah. was your mindset like going into the game after that? Well, I mean, it was just kind of like like even today, like I like I never really thought about it that much until like this off season like deeply and like I understand like I like appreciate everything they did and like I never had any issues with the staff there or anything like we we got along and it's just like it like honestly it goes back to my injuries because like I I don't know like you guys could probably tell but I didn't even feel like myself on the ice until probably like 30 games into the season mm. like the first 30 games I think I played to like 40 percent of my abilities and so yeah. like I, I understand like what happened and stuff and obviously it sucks but I don't know like it was kind of like a thing where I'm happy to be the type of player and, and not commit anywhere to have something to work for, to say like every night is a tryout. Like it kind of helped me in a way because I wouldn't say I got complacent cause like I was still working hard and stuff, but it's like, you have a sense of security even deep down if you don't know it. But I kind of enjoyed being, de- being uncommitted when like the first time around when I was talking to schools and stuff. And, and it was like that again. It was like every night's an audition. Every night's a tryout. Like I need to play my best out here to prove to these colleges that I'm worthy, you know. And and a party is kind of pissed off to say like I got to prove to them that like they're gonna make a mistake, you know. Like I want to be a D1 player and I want to show everybody that I can still do that. I've seen. I mean, obviously you guys have seen it too. But other guys get decommitted, and you kind of feel for them, even if like people like me and Dylan, like we're not committed or anything like that but you're like jesus like i can only imagine something like that happening i just feel like after something like that happens you're that more determined to get it back you know what i mean yeah because you Um, know how close you were and you knew you had it and it's a matter of finding that again and proving to them why they why they made a mistake and why they chose you in the first place yeah i i never got really down like i was never really like super sad or upset or there's like a lot of kids like i didn't even know I didn't even yeah. know until like three days later. I was like, what? Yeah. I mean, a lot of kids like would shut down and, and be like, yeah. damn, I worked this hard, like kind of go into a shell and not work. Like I was like, I'm going to work harder now. Like it was kind of one of those things where like the next week I was like more pissed off at practice. Like, yeah. And I think that's an easy, like that's the easy solution. Uh, you know, someone plays three years of junior hockey, they commit, they work their ass off for it and they end up getting decommitted like that can ruin their career so uh, i know a lot of guys would just pack it in at that point be like this isn't for me i'm going to school yeah i mean that happens i mean that would be the easiest easiest point to stop yeah colin i know uh this really isn't your topic obviously you're not a hockey player but what's Mm -hmm. the experience in football like have you ever seen anybody get any of your close friends get decommitted or something like that no, I can't think of that specifically happening. Really, I feel um, like it's, more common it's a different. Than anything. It's a different process in football, just because a lot of kids really aren't committing until later. I mean, you don't really. You, a lot of kids. I mean, even the top ranked guys. I mean, you'll see top fifteen, top twenty guys in the nation that wait until after their senior season to commit. And so, um, it, it's definitely a different process. But it, it's. I mean, football and hockey are similar in the sense that you're going to have ups and downs in every season and every time you jump up a level of competition, there's going to be an adjustment period and the game's faster. Kids are stronger. And so just staying patient and trusting in yourself and your talents is important in hockey. And it's important in football too. 
Yeah. And I feel, I feel the biggest difference between committing in hockey and football is like the point that the average freshman age is 21. Most guys will play three years of junior and go in as a, a 21 year old freshman in hockey. So there's a lot more time to commit and also be decommitted at the same time. There's just a lot more playing time before you get into college hockey. Go they also, they also commit kids at like what, 14, 15, yeah. 16. And I yeah. guess like in yeah. five years, sometimes years like, I mean, Oliver injuries, all that Maine stuff. In like seventh grade or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and then he was committed to Harvard and ends up going to BC. Like just, so just much a lot, changes. Of, a lot of stuff can change in five years. Yeah. And even for 16 committing, like he's still got like three years of juniors most likely. And it's like a lot of stuff can change and they can find other players and scholarship money changes. And when I feel dude, like even in yeah. one year though, when you think about it, like so much can change yeah. in one year. I mean, you look at COVID this year, you have college kids coming back to play juniors. Yeah. I mean, you're almost better off, I think, like committing as an age out or, or a right before your age out year because at least at that point, they know what they're getting. Yeah. Yeah. Like you're exactly. a player, they can see where you've developed. Like when you're 16, there's so many question marks. Yeah, exactly. Well, even, you know, yeah, you see the young kids, 14, 15, 16, and they're six feet already. You know, everyone else is still five, six, five, seven, still growing. They've already grown. They look like they're dominating the game at that point. And they probably are. Don't get me wrong. They're probably great at that age. But in a couple of years, everyone grows and catches up and develops. And, and now they're on the same playing field. And it's like, okay, well, now is he worth that commitment? Probably not. Like so much changes. Plus the pro aspect too. Like in hockey, you, once you're, you're draft eligible, what, senior year of high school? Or is it age? Yeah. I don't know exactly how it's based. It's, but It's 18. Ex- yeah, exactly. So a lot of kids when they're 18, I mean, a lot of them are still in high school. And so kids can yeah. get drafted right out of high school and then might not even go play college if they sign right away. I think most kids yeah. go to play college though, right? Yeah, yeah or like, maybe I mean, juniors in Canada. But that aspect though is so different. Like like versus football, like in football, you have to play three years of college football before you're yeah. draft eligible. Yeah. Like I mean, whether it's – the same as hockey. Tr- yeah. Whether it's Look for football, Hughes. whether it's tr- true freshman, uh, true sophomore, true junior, or true freshman, redshirt freshman – and then redshirt sophomore. But either way, you have to play college football for three years before you're draft eligible. The so only guys, the only hockey players who go straight from high school to pro are your top guys, like top one or two guys. It's the top, yeah, it's like well, even, three kids a, a year. Yeah. yeah, look at, okay, so Jack Hughes, first overall, went in, didn't play any college hockey, jumped right in with the Devils. Older brother Quinn went sixth or seventh, seventh overall? I think it was seventh. Seventh yeah. overall the year He's prior, a Norris right? finalist, right, this year? Yeah, he's really good. No, he's a Calder final for the top rookie. What's the Norris? Is that top defenseman. He might be in that too. No, no? no, it was. It was I thought Quinn uses up for Calder with McCarr. He is. He is. But he, he I is. Think he's a, oh, Calder's he's a rookie, rookie. Oh. Yeah, yeah. Him and McCarr up for top rookie, which is the Calder. And then it was Yossi, uh, Carlson, and Hedman yeah. up for Norris, which is top defenseman. Yeah. But like, okay, separation of six picks. You're still going in the first first round, top ten pick. That's insane. Yet Quinn played two years at Michigan before jumping into the show. Like, it's a, a what big year difference, you know. Ninety nine. But he's late. Is that why he went? No, one year? he's so good. He's, he's so gross. Good. That's such yeah. a joke. That is such. A but he was joke. what? He's got the late birthday, and that's yeah, why him and two Jack. Years ago, he was two drafts ago. Right. Not last right. year. Not the year before. The year before. Yeah, Jack went in 2019 and Quinn was 2017. Yeah. Oh, it was true then? Yeah. Okay, yeah. He's a 99 and Jackson 01. Yeah, I take that back then. He's regular yeah. birthday. Yeah. 
Dude, I, I can't believe there's O ones playing in the league. That's insane. It's, it's crazy. It's gonna be weird when like the like the kids our age start like taking over when it's like all two thousand like all two thousands and ninety nines, ninety eight, stuff like that. Dude, there's gonna there's gonna be like O fives before we even get a crack at playing bro. Like <laughs> <laughs> There will be though. Well, I remember when yeah. Rasmus Dolly, I remember watching the World Juniors oh when we were 16. Mm-hmm. And he was playing in the World Juniors as a 16-year-old. I remember watching this Swedish kid had the cage on like <laughs> like your stereotypical like Swedish guy like super pale blonde hair like and he's just disgusting just at, like undressing the Russians. I remember watching the Russian game. And it was insane. I'm like who is this kid? 16 years old already ranked in the draft and then here we are now he's the one of the top defensemen for the sabers like it's just insane and he's my age or our age joey and, and clark all of us like that's insane yeah he's just tearing up the show we're aging now <laughs> how about it oh he's just gross like imagine him and uh who else Svetch. Svetch 2000 yeah. it's insane Barbie. Yeah. yeah here we are aging out in the in the end capo caco went he's he played right away too when you get drafted yeah, by the yeah, Rangers. Yeah, that's another one. Yeah. yeah. But it's everybody has a different path, you know? Like 100%. Like, you can age out of juniors. You could age out of the mall and go to college, be a great player, and play in the show. Yeah. Like, it happens. I know. It's, it's the goalie. Yeah. What, are, what do they call it for goalies? The uh, the goalie farm or something like that? Oh, the the goalie factory. The goalie factory, yeah, yeah. I was yep. looking at that today. Clark and I yeah. skated at in Attleboro, so we were looking at the rank, the the, the goalie factory poster. Yeah, so Hell many sick goalies came out of this league. No, that's the, that's the other thing about hockey is like there's like a million different paths to get to pro hockey. Like you can, there's like nobody is walking the same path as you. Yeah, like rarely. Like there's high school, there's prep school, there's midgets. Like everything's like everybody's just so different. Yeah, going major junior versus college. Like there's so many yeah. different paths. You see a lot of guys, though. I feel, I mean, me personally, I've had experience with this where you're comparing yourself to someone else, someone else's path where it's like they're just two completely different components of yeah, their game or something that. like that. You just can't do it because, oh my God, man, it is so like your confidence just plummets. No, yeah. You can't, you uh, can't compare yourself to other people. Yeah. Can't do it. Yeah. Yeah. Especially in hockey. I mean, it's probably one of the most, like I guess versatile probably isn't the right word, but there's so many different options and so many different ways to do it. What like whatever your goal is, okay, let's say pro hockey, but even just to college hockey, there's so many different routes you can take. I mean, I don't know if any other sports are like that. Yeah, well, I mean, you see now, you see a lot of uh, now D three guys are going pro. It's which you've never yeah. seen before. Definitely. I, I remember uh, there was a college hockey coach when I was like my first time going around, like getting recruited, like on one of my business, I forget who it was, but he said, uh, he was talking about how crazy the hockey path is, but football it's, if you're, if you're good, you play on Friday. If you're really good, you play on Saturday. And if you're really, really good, you play on Sunday. <laughs> like, that's the yeah, exactly. like Friday, Saturday, <laughs> Sunday, like figure it out. <laughs> yep. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah but I even, mean, God, don't just touching that Joey, like D three guys, nothing against D three, but going pro now. And you, th- you think so much changes in college as well. Like we were saying earlier, so much changes in midgets and in juniors and then into college. But again, every- everyone's still developing in college. And that's probably the biggest thing of why, well, that in the schooling, but of why I chose the college route over 
playing major junior. Like I'm from Canada. We have a major junior team in my hometown. Like I'm sure there were a lot, a lot of people would question why I didn't try and play in the major junior route, but it's just four more years for development. Like you age out playing in, let's say you play in the WHL or the OHL, you know, this would be our last year. And then our time in major junior is done. Now we're going to, you know, CIS school or we're trying to play in the coast where, you know, we come down play junior A here or even junior A back home in the AJ or the BC or something, hop into college. We have four years of development where we're playing a 30 game schedule instead of a 60 or 65 game schedule with playoffs. Like it's a, it's focused on development and how much you grow as a player in college hockey is insane. So, I mean, I'm not surprised to see that there's many more D three guys turning out pro. Yeah. I mean, you look back, I mean, three years ago, if you told me that D three guys were going pro, I'd tell you you're crazy. I mean, three years ago, D three, I was like, if I go to D three, like my pro dreams are over. I'm not going to, it's not going to happen. You know what I mean? But now everything, everything's just completely changed. I'm, there's a goalie who actually just, I think, signed with the Ice Hogs in the AHL yeah. straight right out of Norwich. Yeah. 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 Well, Norwich has turned into a powerhouse. I mean, they have pro guys every year the past couple of years now. Um, but yeah, I mean, again, so much changes with new programs coming up. D1, like, you, so this year we pick up, you know, Long Island, St. Thomas next year. And you look at the amount oh, yeah, of guys Curry's transferring – yeah, yeah, I saw that. What? Yeah, Zach Curry from Wilkesbury is going to St. Thomas now. He just committed. Play D1? Yeah, it's, it's – Play D3. Well, are they going in D1 next year? I thought it was no, the following year. No, it's the following year, but is he committed? I guess He's a 99. That's a weird time but, to commit there. But, I mean, look at that. They'll pick up transfers from D3 to D1, and now those guys are playing D1 hockey, you know? Yeah, so, that will be a yeah. sick place to play it, too. Yeah. Uh, that would be – I mean, Long Island. That was one thing I was like – when I saw that, that Long Island was going D1, what a sick spot to be for a D1 team. Yeah. Same as St. Thomas. St. Thomas is in Minneapolis. That's going to be sick, too. Yeah. Yeah. Tough time to come in during COVID. <laughs> when, I, when I first saw that, I was thinking the island, St. Thomas. I was like, what? There's a fucking island <laughs> team, St. Thomas. But, uh, no, Colin, is there, nice. is there, are there any D3 guys who go pro in football? There's a few, yeah. I mean, you see it sometimes. Uh, a lot of it has to do with the combine performances, pro day performances, or if guys, like, shoot up. Like, you'll see a lot of times with linemen, maybe, like, they'll go in true freshman year, like a left or right tackle, and he's 6'2 or 6'3. And then by the time he's, whatever, uh, a redshirt junior, he's, you know, 6'8, six, 6'9. Six, so you'll see that. And then you'll see, like, D2 guys, like the second-round pick by the Patriots this year, Kyle Duggar, was a Division two safety out of Lenore, uh, Lenore Ryan. And his big thing was his combine was unbelievable. Like he ranked in the top echelon of all safeties or all DBs in general um, at the combine, which is huge. Cause then uh, NFL GM is going to look at that and be like, okay, this kid's not going to get, you know, quote unquote out athleted at the next level. If his, you know, if he runs a yeah. low four, four forty and he can put up two twenty five, whatever it is, 15, 20 times can jump 42 inches in the vert. Then that that's like an NFL athlete. So then, a coach is going to look at that and say, okay, if this kid's an NFL athlete, if we like what he can do, we like his tape, and then we can bring him in, and we know he's not going to get out-athleted, but we, we like what he have like intangibly and stuff like that, then you'll see guys from D3 and D2 get drafted that way, either drafted or signed, either one. But it has happened. 
It's not common, but it happens. We're, we're talking about this now. It made me think of a story about Jimmy Graham. Do you know, do you know his story, Colin? I don't know his story from before the NFL, but I know yeah. about him being a, a top player on the Saints and then the whole franchise tag yeah. issue and all that. Okay, so he played one year of college football after playing four years of basketball. So he didn't even oh, play. Oh, yeah. You'll see that with a lot of tight ends. Julius Thomas, same thing, and Antonio Gates. Yeah. Those guys yeah. play college basketball. Yeah. That's bizarre. I mean, Crazy. he never played. Did he not play football before that or what? Because that's just ridiculous. Must in the third not, yeah. round. That's crazy. Isn't I, yeah, there a really I, I good? Uh, yeah. Isn't there a really good player on the Patriots that like was a lacrosse player or something? Isn't there? Oh, Hogan, Hogan. Yeah, he well he played at. Um, so he went to Penn State and played lacrosse at Penn State and then transferred to play football at Monmouth, and then ended up getting drafted by the Bills out of Monmouth uh, football. What the hell? Talking about a freak athlete. I think it's crazy how the NFL like carry or cares so much about like the combine stuff. I mean, hockey, oh, they don't if, like in hockey, if they care about the combine, like a lot of those kids would be in trouble. Yeah, exactly. Like, hockey is well, like yeah. if if you can play, you can play. Like if right. they put focus in the combine. There was a guy, Dylan. Sorry to cut you off for a second. There was no, a guy a couple of years ago. I forget who it was. We've talked about it before. Sam Bennett. Yeah. <laughs> what is that, yeah. man? Could, can't do, do a pull-up, but he's on the second line of the Flames. No, like, but, like, if you can play, you can play. Like, exactly. Yeah. That's not you, like If that you have a guy football. in the NFL, if you have a guy in the NFL who can't do one pull-up, he's fucking getting sat on the bench oh or on the Dude. ground on his ass. Oh, it's just not well, football's, football. Football is, like, a big-time, like, power athleticism sport. I feel like, like hockey gym, can get by. You yeah. can get by just being really, really smart. There, there are the guys gym with zero varsity film that will have multiple D1 offers with zero film just based on size – age um grades like Ways your combine stats up. yeah exactly Dude, it, yeah it makes me want to just like start training for football and just walk on a team so <laughs> <laughs> is just gonna train for the next four years get super big and just go tear up somehow tear up the combine he's got his own pro day in his backyard with his dad filming <laughs> <laughs> oh my god but like on a serious note i just feel football's so much more directly related to the gym. Like it's so much more translatable where like, yeah, yeah, like you say, Clark, if you can play, you can play like Sam Bennett's an example. Can't do a pull up, but he can run a power play. It helps. It helps. Like, yeah, it helps to be strong playing hockey and it helps to train the right way and eat the right way. But at the end of the day, I know a lot of kids that don't train, don't eat. Well, let's take a look at skate in the summer and they they don't train well. They don't eat well. They don't skate in the summer. They show up to training camp and it's like, oh my God, this kid can fly. It's like, I don't even know. Here's (laughs) a perfect example. Now, I love Mick to death, but like (laughs) Mick's a perfect example of that. I hope he listens to it because he won't give a shit if I just roast him. But like Mick's what? 150 pounds soaking wet. (laughs) Like doesn't train, doesn't eat. But he just committed D one because he's an unreal defenseman. And like, he's just very good at the game. It's like he's so he silky. Most points, most points in the yeah, league. He was, as a defenseman. he was one of the top defense. D, yeah. Yeah, def- yeah, top offensive defenseman. Like you watch. Kid drinks walk. on a Tuesday afternoon playing video games. It's like, <laughs> <laughs> and he goes out on Saturday and gets like four assists just because like he can. Yeah, like, yeah. I don't know. A lot of times know. I've watched him just walk up, last man back, walk up pull around three guys, weave his way through, a couple of crossovers. Yeah. All of a sudden, he's coming in on net. It's like, how the hell did he just do that? Yeah. And he's like, you know, what, 5'9", five, 5'10", five, like not a big guy. But 
yeah. again, he can play. But just, I mean, there's some of us that really enjoy the fitness part of it. Like I know that me, you, and Sinisi like love the gym and we worked hard in gym this year. And it's like, it's like more of like a, a personal thing. Like we, we all just care more about it. Like if we just showed up and like practiced like 50% and I feel did, like didn't lift at myself. all and then, and then just went home, went home. I'd be like, why am I here? Why? Like, what am I doing here? Like yeah. I have to at least know that like, I put in the work that day. To, Dude, like, I do it all for confidence. And I'm sure you guys do it the same way. Like when I'm putting the, in the work in the gym and on the ice, like a hundred percent, a hundred percent of the time, I feel so much better and more confident in my game. Even though there were some games this year, you might not say that about me, but, but yeah, I mean, that's just, yeah, that's I mean, just my personal opinion. I go in my driveway in this off season, I'm shooting 300 pucks a day. And it's like, when I get in the season and I'm like, I've taken the shot a million times. Like you just feel more confident. You know, I've, I've trained for this and I know that I've trained harder than you. Cause I know yeah. you like, I know that you didn't do what I did. So you just have that extra level of confidence. I feel like. Yeah, I yeah. agree. hundred yeah, percent. I mean, Hundred percent. Um, what do you call? What was I just gonna say? Oh, um, I think we've talked about it before, but it really it it makes me mad that hockey is one of the only sports that you can't really, I guess, work on your craft besides when you're on the ice. Like football, you can go out to a field. I mean, for you guys, for me, it's a little different because I'm a goalie. Like I'm not just gonna go out my driveway and have someone rip shots at me. Um, <laughs> Get your pads you know, and your shoes. <laughs> yeah, it just doesn't make sense. But you know, a guy like playing football, like Colin, you can go to the field and you know work on agility and all that stuff. Uh, soccer players, they can go to a field. Tennis players, you know what I mean? Yeah, Kinda. I'm so jealous of it. I'm yeah. so jealous of it. Cause, like, you want to get better at soccer, and like, I know that I know that you guys have felt this, like the itch, like that day. It's like. I want to go get better. Like, I want to get better today, oh and you God. can't get on the ice. Like if, like if you're a soccer player, you can just take your cleats up to the field, and you can get you can work whenever you want, like wherever. Like it's like you can go in your backyard and you can juggle. Like I mean, I just feel like in hockey, like you have to find little ways to get better if you can't be on the ice. Like you have to find a way to to stick handle off the ice or to shoot pucks. And it's not the same thing, but it's at least something that the other kids aren't doing. Yeah, and I think that's why there's been so many new things like Mars blades trying to make rollerblading as realistic as possible you know and make it feel like you're on skates it's as close as you're gonna get and I mean that's what I did during COVID on the rollerblades go to the rink it's not the same but it's as good as it's gonna get you know and and like that feeling you know like today Clark and I skated we had the whole rink we stayed out as long as we want we we're on the ice what almost two and a half hours today yeah, yeah. just like doing our thing we're working on whatever we wanted to because the ice was available and it like that's an awesome feeling knowing that we can do whatever we want. We have the ice as long as we want, whenever we want, where any other sport, it's like that all the time. Like you say, you can go to your baseball player, you can go to the diamond and hit balls, you know, like whenever you yeah. want, you can't do that as a hockey player. I mean, it's I just, can't tell you how many times I've wanted to get ice and I was willing to pay and like, <laughs> I can't even skate. You know what I mean? It just, Oh my God, it makes me pissed. Um, yeah. but on an, on another note, like they're, they're also coming out with new things. Like this thing I'm doing this summer, um, in Woburn, it's called the G lab, the greatness lab. And cam on the first episode was actually talking about this when it was coming out and it, now it's finally out. Um, but there's this thing, I'm going to show you guys a video right now, but I'm going to explain it to the listeners. You pretty much sit in a chair and you fly, you fly a plane without doing anything besides thinking. Wait, what? How does that even work? Are you watching oh, this? Is it playing? Yeah. yeah. What? Yeah. So it's pretty much 
it's a cognitive process where um, you're literally focusing on flying this thing. And if you think of anything else, if you think of anything else, it like goes off course or something like that. So it, it's kind of like, Holy. I guess, bringing you to the moment or like keeping you in the present moment. Um, but yeah, it's the stuff they're coming out with nowadays is just absolutely insane. That's yeah. insane. You got to be a special person that. to do that. I feel yeah. like it, it's easy to get distracted by it you know anything a little thought pops in your oh, head man. the and things that, that i think about like even during a game it's unfortunate but like i like I, I always come back to mindfulness to like bring myself back but there's times where like it's a two-on-one and i'm fucking thinking about something completely different than hockey which is not <laughs> supposed to be happening you know um but i'm sure we've all been in the dressing room at times i made where, the like, save by the way i made the save <laughs> <laughs> yeah. where you know we're getting ready for a big game and the topic in the locker room's like totally not related oh, to yeah. hockey at all. I'm yeah. sure we've all been there, but like, you know, it happens. It's hard to stay focused 24 seven. I think like I'm that. kind of autopilot though. Like I don't really think about hockey or anything else when I'm playing hockey. Yeah. I'm just kind of like I, doing, I like yeah. I'm just doing. Mm-hmm. I'm like, That's probably the best way to put it. Like I don't think at all about what the next play is. Like I, my body just knows what it's doing, I guess. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I guess subconsciously I am thinking, but. But honestly, really. when, when you're playing your best, and if you think about that feeling you have when you're playing your best, you're not thinking of anything. You're just there. Like you're not even focused on the game. You're just like in yourself You just yeah. get that feeling, you know, it, it's like yeah, the, when you're... Kobe Bryant thing, you know, the, in the zone. Yeah. Mm. And I always, you know, Joe, to piggyback off that, I totally agree. You know, my mom won't like me saying this, but when I fight, I always try to think of the fight after you, I can't remember it. And it's not because I've like, been like drilled in the head or anything. And like, I can't remember it, but it's like, you're in the moment and you don't remember what you're doing. Like, it's just, yeah. it's second nature. You know, it's just happening or even scoring a goal. Like you're trying to think someone asked you, oh, how did it go in? Well, yeah, you remember the shot, but like, do you really remember the small details of everything you do? No, it's just in the moment. And it happens like yeah. that adrenaline rush, you know, you, you don't remember it. It's just, you're just there. I know. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and, Colin, God, you can you gonna say something? Oh no, it's the same exact thing in football. I mean, there's a certain plays like I watch film. I'll go back and watch film, and like I'll see like where I made a nice play, and I'm like, I don't even remember that even happening because like you know what I mean. I'm just so in yeah. the zone and just it's subconscious yeah. muscle memory that you're not even. It's not you're not consciously there. It's so hard to explain unless you unless you're an athlete and you've been there. But no, I know exactly what you guys are talking about. I mean, yeah. So Colin, you're probably the only one who knows this. Um, but at Middlesex, so me and Colin both went to Middlesex and our freshman year, we have a semester of mindfulness. And honestly, that was like a life changing thing because I have used it ever since Colin. I don't know about you, but I've been, you know, every day, whether it's the morning or night or both, I just sit there and like focus on my breath and it, like being in the present moment is so important. And I'm sure it is for you guys too. like, like what I just said earlier about being in the zone. Um, the whole goal is to get to that zone. Like you're not thinking of anything else, but it's so hard to get there. It's so hard to yeah. just, to just be there in the moment. Um, yeah. <clears throat> I used to do, uh, our, my old midget team, we would do, uh, these, they're called concentration grids and it's a, it's a piece of paper and there's like little squares on them and it's the number one through a hundred and you, you start in a, in a quiet room or whatever. And you, and you have to check an order from one to a hundred and you see how much time it took you. Cause you have to focus on these numbers 
and then you try to get your time better and then eventually you would level up and you'd start going to like a coffee shop or something and doing it with noise and trying not to get distracted and finding these numbers. And that helped me a lot. Like hmm. we do them before practice twice a week. I've never heard of that. That yeah. sounds good. Concentration grids. I'd like that. Yeah. Have you guys ever done yoga before? Maybe. Maybe yeah. Not. Yeah. Yo, yeah. yeah. All yeah, time. Honest, yeah. You're not a fan? Uh, I don't know. So yeah, it's so, my mom or my sister, you know? <laughs> well, so the, the part of the thing uh, um, of my summer training is, so I'll skate in the morning. So I skate and then I do the power skate. And then after that, I work out and then I go to the, this thing called the pad pass. So it's the greatness lab. And then after that, you do yoga. And honestly, yoga has been such a huge thing. Like by the end of yoga, there's this thing called Shavasana. Yeah, you, guys you know, lay down. Yeah. You lay down. You just you lay down. And man, I feel like I'm there. Like I'm on the mat. Like there's nothing else going on. I don't know if you had the same experience, there's, but there's no way to describe it. There's no way to yeah. describe it. Like your whole body's like tingling. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. And the and the music in the background. Oh man. Oh. I've fallen asleep <laughs> a few times, but oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, god. But oh my god, we're at 45 minutes now. You guys got anything else? I can't think. No, of I mean, else. Clark, just to, I know we started with Clark's story, but just to wrap it up, like here we are. So we're 2019, 20, 2019. Last year. <laughs> no, we're no, no, 19, 20 years old. I'm 20. I'm what, 20. what did I say? Yeah. 19, yeah, 1920. Yeah. Going into our oh. age out <laughs> year of juniors. <laughs> nice one. God, <laughs> like going in our last <laughs> year. I mean, she's still trying to finish, like finish the underdog story. Like that's it decommitted we've got one year left to earn it so it's all about yeah. the come it's never over though like there's not just one year left you know that's like what no, we were talking no. About. there's so many different yeah it's just another there. check along the road though i mean if that's yeah. a goal d1 you know next year's kind of that checkpoint whether you made it or not no i mean yeah i think i think about it like all the time like and i can get so far ahead of myself in the future and stuff and like i always like it's like, it's like the same like four things to bring myself back and it's like as long as you like work your hardest today and do everything you're supposed to do and you try to be the best version of yourself. So that's what I was saying. Like, don't compare yourself to other people, be the best version of you today. Then the rest will fall into place. And even if, even if I ended up playing D three or whatever, like I'm still going to wake up every day in the summer, every day during the season saying, I'm going to be the best version of myself I can be today. And we're going to see where this takes me. Mm-hmm. And I think that's just gotta be your mindset. Even if you have one year left. Yeah. Tony, I mean, we talked here. You can't, you can't think like, oh, this is my last year. I need to do this. I need to do that. I need to, like, no, like you have yeah, to, no, I like, completely happen, agree. Like, you have to have a great day today. Mm-hmm. What did you say earlier today? Clark and I were driving to the rink today. So we live an hour away as you guys know. So it's a lot of time to think and, and visit. It was nice having someone to drive with today. It's been lonely lately, but what, what did you say? I said, what are, what are we doing tomorrow? You want to leave? We were talking about the plan to leave for chowder and, and what did you say? Uh, you know, I'm not worried about tomorrow. I'm only thinking about today and, and the skate today, skate and workout today. Yeah. Something like that. What'd yeah. You you, we were just asked about where I'm going to be in a month and whatever. And I'm just like, I don't know where I'm going to be anywhere, but today, but today I'm going <laughs> to yeah. work out hard. I'm going to skate hard and like, we'll see where I am tomorrow. Yeah. That just sums you up. Oh, yeah. That's a good way to look <laughs> at it. Honestly, I wish everybody lived like that, including myself. That's present moment. It's yeah. dominating the day. Dominate your ne- it, like, next 200 feet. Come on. Kid's got it down. He's got it down. Oh. Well, like we said, I know we talked about it earlier too. Um, last episode that was or two episodes ago now. And I think Clark's a prime example of that. Like 
his goal motivates him. You know, he has the same goal as you and I, Joey, and or as far as playing D1 college hockey. And that's what motivates him. That's what drives him every day. So I think, you know, we cut, we're cut from the same cloth and that's what keeps him going. Yeah. Clark, you got anything else, man? No, I'm good. No, good. Yeah. I mean, this episode, honestly, I think it's one of our best ones. Like we're just having some good conversation. It's no, no Neil Magny episode, but we got Clark Kerner, you know, Clark Kerner, <laughs> man. <laughs> so, so Clark, thanks for coming on. I know it wasn't, yeah. uh, obviously it wasn't planned. You're just upstairs hanging out, but <laughs> playing some pga tour yeah yeah for sure man that was awesome good stuff yeah wolf clark back on you know cool. in a year when, when, when he commits when he commits. yeah when he commits oh yeah hopefully let's go <laughs> yeah colin you got anything else you good good that was fun nice to meet you clark uh nice to meet you yeah man cool conversation yeah we uh, gotta get in studio sometime too that's what i'm saying sure. I'm, th- I'm saying i'm thinking All maybe like yeah I don't know. We got to figure that out. But like we get the the technical mic situation figured out for the in-studio yeah. and then yeah. that's going to be fire. Yeah, we could do a lot of I'm videos sick of this of Zoom. Stuff. I'm sick of this Zoom stuff. I wish we were all in the same studio. It'd be sick. Yeah, yeah that would be, be nice. Cool. We don't have the greatest recording studio uh, today. <laughs> yeah. The dungeon. The dungeon. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if you'll be able to clip anyone, any uh, get any clips from today's episode because you, you can only you see our shadow. In darkness. Yeah, you're in yeah. darkness. Bundy's layer. But all right, guys. Um, thanks for listening, everybody. Catch us next episode. Thanks for listening, and don't forget to give us a follow on social media at underdog underscore brand on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. And you can visit us at www.theunderdogbrand.com. See you next episode. Used to pull up, not swerve, no time for the snakes, time to put them in the dirt, that's word. I gotta get it, it's in my DNA, you only see the highlights, don't know what it takes. Last year, stressing, got no sleep, now I'm right between the courts, out of nosebleeds. I see the hate that